Do like Mitch Hedberg? Do I like him? Yeah. Uh, I don't know much about him. Oh. He just has a thing on an album where he says, he's like, I'm recording my first album. I'm going to make, I'm going to cut your laughter and make it sound like you laughed at that stupid joke. Like, he just keeps making jokes about how he's going to, after the fact. Cool. <clears throat> he does it pretty well. <laughs> I'll listen to him do it. <laughs> uh, cool. All right, yeah. so we'll get started. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Getting Close with Mike Marbach podcast. I am that person uh, mentioned previously, Mike Marbach, uh, and I'm here with uh, a Philly performer, improviser, uh, actor, and dare I say, friend. Fred Brown. Wow, hello. That's what I meant to say. Fred Brown, not friend. Uh, (laughs) Oh, dare (laughs) I say, Fred Brown. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, Fred? Good. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, You are, uh, we'll talk about this more in depth in a bit, uh, but you are gearing up for, is it your first Fringe show? No. Well, it's my first... Fringe show this mine. Oh no! But you I was did in party. The party with yeah. Kristen, directed by Kristen yes. Shear. Twenty thirteen. Four or five? Yeah. Five years ago. Yeah, I'm going to say twenty thirteen. And I didn't even know at the time. I think what the fringe was, or that that was a fringe show. <laughs> right. <so. laughs> yeah. Oh, we get to do a show for a month. Sure. For random people. Yeah. 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 Okay. Was it for a month? I I don't know. My memory is a little uh, shot of of that time period but i feel like that ran for a lot of performances it might have. i think i remember seeing hey rube or i saw a bunch of the fit the house teams used to do fringe shows yeah there uh, was a there was a time where there was a time um where a lot of fringe was made up of the things that uh fit does normally yeah. um and uh then there were not uh, doing so much of that anymore, mm-hmm. um, and I think that uh, there's a there's a happy medium to be found between those those two things because I think that there is a um, there's a benefit to kind of showcasing the things that we put on the other eleven months of the year, um, but also allowing our performers uh, and people that we don't necessarily normally work with. The opportunity to do different things mm-hmm. uh, that we that they wouldn't normally get the chance to do, but yeah. So there was a there was a time where there was more just straight up improv sets, sure, such as the party. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about practical. Can you say the whole title for me? A practical demonstration of the effects of kinesthetic ocular neuropsychology <laughs> and its potential as an aid in the discovery of self. Yeah. And every noun is capitalized. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. And um, adjective. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, Friend Brown. Yeah. Uh, how did you get involved in this stuff? In improv? In improv, in comedy. Like, what kind of grabbed your attention growing up that made you want to do this? Or was this really like a late teen, 20s kind of discovery um i went to an arts camp when i think i was like nine between the ages of nine and twelve mm-hmm. and it was a creative arts camp that had improv and dance and film photography and creative writing and music and art if i didn't say that already and uh well, it's really, an arts camp 
Yes, that's right. Performing oh. and visual and uh, musical. Sure. It was great. I loved it. We. I remember... Um, we had to make up a. We did so every at the end of every summer there was a camp showcase, and we made up a very serious hula hoop dance to "I'm a Rock" by Simon and Garfunkel. Okay, you know, but I think at one of those camp showcases I improvised a monologue. Uh, probably not okay nowadays, but it was a, instead of a psychic hotline, it was a psycho hotline. Okay, and I was just a crazy person. Sure, that was fun. So, uh, and then in just regular drama classes in school, I got some improv. Mm-hmm. And so then when I heard about fit through a student at the school that I taught at, I, I decided to sign up for a class with Mike Marbach. And that student was Will Ferrell. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, class yeah. with me. Yeah. So I, I, everyone else in class, you know, it's like, oh, I'm getting into improv because I want to get out of my comfort zone or my boss says I need more emotional intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. Or it's, you know, the people who did kickball last month and now they're doing improv. And I did it because I thought that I might be pretty good at it and I wanted to be good at something. Like I wanted to, a creative outlet that I felt sure. like I already knew I liked. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do any... Uh plays in high school yeah i did a bunch of plays in middle school and high school and then some plays in college but uh never any yeah i never i never studied theater Mm -hmm. i just was in some plays and you sing i do sing uh any musicals yeah and yeah in high school uh i was i heard it mentioned in the last getting close (laughs) but i was in the i was in the musical brigadoon oh man um coming up again just like Brigadoon itself. That's right. I was, it appears every other podcast. Oh, the, there's been one since? Uh, no, there hasn't. So oh, I but there might... Er, completely inaccurate. Gotcha. Okay, uh, Carousel. I was in Carousel. Mm. I was in Godspell. Okay. And there must have been one other musical that I was in. Oh, Fiddler, Fiddler on the Roof. Okay. Yeah. Uh, since we've... Uh, by we, I mean me and whoever the guest is, uh, have talked musicals these last few... Uh, what of those or others do you like? Um, I, so when I was maybe 13, my mom took me to see Phantom of the Opera at the Merriam Theater mm-hmm. on Broad Street. And I, I loved Phantom of the Opera at the time. And it was very awesome, that experience. And I went back and listened again to just the main theme. Yeah. And it's incredibly good. Like it's mm-hmm. very uh dated, but yeah. I love the beat and the and the and the synth sounds yeah. and it's awesome. Uh I recently saw Because uh, that's Andrew Lloyd Webber. That's right. Uh Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. I'm not, yeah. Uh and yeah, I don't <laughs> wanna take that away from him. Uh he also did School of Rock, which I recently saw on Broadway. Uh and uh that surprised me. I don't know. Uh, it just kind of surprised me. Which that, direction? Uh, oh, no, it just surprised you that he had done that one. That also. he had done something like School of Rock. Yes. Because you look at him, you see Cats, yep. you see um, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, um, uh, uh, what's the other one? Joseph? Oh, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? Yeah. Um, Wait, really? Didn't he do that? I don't know. I didn't I know, know he did Jesus Christ Superstar. I yeah. Huh. Yeah. So he did a bunch of these, uh, bunch of these shows. 
Uh, maybe he didn't do Joseph. I don't know. Anywho, uh, but to see him do something like a, an adaptation of something that, say, Jack Black was in is just surprising to me. Oh, and that's the order of it? Is It's based on the... Is Andrew, Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber is alive? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, and he's one of the richest people in the world. No. Yeah. Because of cats? Because, <laughs> because of Broadway in general. Whoa, really? Yeah. Wow, there we go. All right. There you go. Are your parents, uh, like, artsy? Um... M- Artsy? No, my dad is. My dad's. My dad sings a lot, mm-hmm. so he's musical. And I would say that my mom has always liked to write, but no, not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say artsy. Artsy is not the word. Sure. Yeah. So they're not like performers of, mm. like yourself. No, my dad performs in singing groups. Yeah, and and he acted. He acted in college, and then he worked at the school that I went to, like mm-hmm. the high school and and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he played um, <laughs> every year. They would do the Christmas Carol. It was an it was an Episcopalian school. Sure. Um, and my dad would always play Scrooge. Mm. And okay. So that happened. Yeah. Why? It's very embarrassing for me. Why? Um, because he would really commit to it, and he would be all snort. So he would all snarl. through December, <laughs> like yeah, the whole time. Like, come down and make breakfast. <laughs> you boy. Go fetch me a turkey. Yeah. Make it the biggest turkey you can find. No, that's much too nice the way you're doing it. Oh, he, well, I'm thinking he after, oh, at the, the, end, after the ghosts have That's right, when he gets visited. nice. Well, yeah, but he, I think if he's doing a method, he wouldn't focus on that bit. Well, I don't know when in December we're talking. Uh, you mean, oh, after the performance of it? Yeah. Just the rest of the month he's I don't nice? know. Maybe it's just he goes through through his his day. <laughs> and each day he and lives day. The, the emotional arc of the character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Instead of, yeah, every night to tuck me in for bed, he would say, boy, go fetch me a, <laughs> the biggest whatever. Uh. <laughs> so why is it embarrassing? Because I was, because uh, I'd be sitting there and... My da- I don't know, because it's your parent doing something in front of you sure. around your classmates. Yeah. But he was very, like, he would he would make ugly faces and noises, and he would sort of spit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why. Because okay. it was my dad, and he All was right, doing sure. something. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Um, in retrospect, I am not embarrassed. Right. But then. Then I was. But yeah. then everything was embarrassing. Right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um... All right, so you are All right. uh, okay. This is over. Uh, so you're you're working your way through classes. Yeah, class with me. I class with you. So how was that? Oh, I don't know. Um, no, it was great. Uh, yeah. Class with you. Well, yeah, uh, that was twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, twenty years ago. No, it was twenty twelve. I think. I think I signed in April of twenty twelve. Wow. Um. Yeah. 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 I just gotten. Uh, I I just uh, had broken up with a girlfriend, mm-hmm. and in the same week I bought an accordion and signed up for an improv class. As we all do. As we all do. So I was just renaissance of me. One on one was good. I, I I still have the video the video, and I watched it maybe a year ago. Really bad. Yeah. That was before I think it was a rule that there be just two people in scenes for graduation <laughs> shows. <laughs> oh man. Uh, class was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you stuck, you kept doing it. Kept doing, well, 201 with Mike Hockman. 
Yeah. 301 with you, 401 with Greg Mon. Yeah. 401, yeah. Had a, yeah. And a bunch of people, uh, some people were still around the theater. Were yeah. My, or 401. For sure. Uh, just speaking as a, as a student mm-hmm. of improv, uh, I know we're all students as we continue through this art. It never stops. But literally as a student, as you were going through the FIT training center, um, what did you think about things uh, in in general? Uh, did you think about things at all, like uh, comedy-wise? Like, did you have any... Because you're coming from an experience where you're just like, I just broke up, I got an accordion, and now I'm in an improv class. Yeah. Uh, so let's do this. Um, what were you thinking? Like, did you have any aspiration to do any of the things that you're doing now? Uh, or was it just something new for you? You know what I'm saying? Yes, I know what you're saying. I've never been somebody who had a five-year plan. Sure. So, so I don't know if I... Yeah. I don't know if aspirations is a word that I... I should probably use it more. I think what I... I always looked forward to class, mm-hmm. and I always wanted to get up and do stuff in mm-hmm. class. So I liked it. Yeah. Um, I liked doing improv when I was going through the training center. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I remember like certain responses I had to certain exercises, but in terms of, I, I, I wasn't connecting it to something that I would pursue more seriously, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean certain responses to certain exercises? Well, I just remember certain moments in classes like i remember greg telling me to do a scene where i he you know he said you're allowed to say whatever you want because i remember watching asteroid all the time mm-hmm. i loved watching asteroid and i was convinced that you know all the teachers are like yeah you know improv is just about saying what responding in the moment sure and i was like yeah but Luke Field knows the right thing to say. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really felt like, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, great. It's like saying, you know, like, f- follow your dreams, but then I felt secretly that so long as your dream leads you to doing the thing that, this analogy fell apart, but yeah. It, yeah. if it leads to being Luke Field. Right. So I, I think. Uh, and I should say, uh, hang on to your thought, yeah. uh, because Asteroid ended in 2013. Uh, so there, there may be people that are listening to this that have no idea what that is that you right. just said. Uh, Asteroid was a fit house team from 2010 to October 2013, uh, directed by yours truly, Mike Marbeck. Um, uh, so yeah, you were you were saying, yeah, no, just that. Um, anyway, so I think as a student, I think students often feel this way because you're taught game. Like you're sort of taught to say whatever you want, but mm-hmm. then you feel that there are these uh, restrictions being put on. You're supposed to understand the architecture within which you're supposed yeah. to respond yeah. authentically. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I've been sort of Greg's saying, do a scene and you can say whatever you want. And that mm-hmm. was fun. <laughs> that was free. Or Steve K. I remember Steve K. covering maybe, a, I don't know when that was, I think 201 maybe even class and making it through the acting thing where you have to say numbers with an emotion mm-hmm. really close to somebody. Yeah. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like this is something that I'm good at. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we even talk about some of the specific projects that you're, that you are in, uh, so you started in 2012. Yes. Okay. It is 2018. That's right. 
Uh, how would you say that you've grown or changed as a improviser? In since do, since yeah doing it yeah since since, since beginning uh, is there anything in improv in general uh, that you feel that you've gotten um, more of a handle on and this is this particular style of improv is is where my kind of um, I consider in my wheelhouse uh, or is it do you consider yourself more of a like organic player or more of a premise based player uh, because personally for me uh, I've grown and changed a lot over mm-hmm. the, the course of the course of improv from much more of an organic love of organic improv which I still have uh, but my preference is more toward um, uh, you know very clear initiations premise based mm-hmm. sort of things I, th- I mean I think I love organic improv yeah um I think in general, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I, I think all of the things that you learn in 101, you just keep coming back to. Yeah. And I think I understand much better now the idea of actually responding in the moment. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a certain point at which improv seems to be about planning ahead better or faster. Yeah. So it's not that the good improvisers don't plan ahead. It's that they can do it really, really fast. Right. Yeah. And I think I've had the experience from playing um, with people for a long time yeah. to understand what it feels like to really not plan ahead and to be really connected in the moment and to respond in the moment and find the improv of that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I like premise. I really admire people who are good at premise. I like it when I'm playing with people who are good at premise, but I don't necessarily yeah. feel like that's my wheelhouse at all. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> why? Why do you say that? Because um, I don't know that I fully agree. Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like some. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I maybe it's. I didn't you tell me once that, that it was something that I went. No, you wouldn't have said that. You wouldn't have said I wasn't good at it. I don't know. Maybe just. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe somewhere along the line, I got the. You idea. can just like the other style more that's okay oh yeah i feel more yeah sure i feel more comfortable i i feel like there isn't i still feel with premise that there is you can get it wrong in in a sense i mean you can miss the game and that's fine i mean if you're playing with a team that likes each other and loves each other and is good then they'll adjust and the game changes yeah but i i still feel sometimes if i'm receiving an initiation where the game is being really clear set clearly set up yeah, I might have the exact opposite reaction. That's yeah, that's sort of hoped for, and sure. that'll be fine. But yeah, with organic, uh, it's much uh, m- uh, much freer. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I call it more discovery based. Um, that's my my term for it. Whenever I say organic improv in classes, um, sometimes people don't know what I'm talking about. So uh-huh. it's, it's much more discovery based. You're not yes. um, pre planning. Mm-hmm anything right. you are discovering it as you as you go everything is based on something that um uh is happening right then and there um so yeah but to the point that you mentioned a, a moment ago uh premise to me is much more along those lines is that uh it's uh pre-planning faster 
Um, and yes, there's a there there can be a way to kind of get that wrong, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way I I enjoy doing it is more of a um, a, a slight hybrid between the discovery based uh, and the uh, more premise based. As because like mm-hmm. all you all you can do in that scene is give a line of dialogue. Uh, and if that line of dialogue doesn't include everything that you are trying to convey, uh, then you have to be ready for that person on the other end of that line to take in any other direction whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And even if it has everything that you expected it to convey and more, you still have to be ready for that person on the other line, uh, end of that line to take in any direction whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it, it it just comes down to what the the team is comfortable with, uh, which is one of the things uh, that I think the future got super good at uh, in terms of just like, we're going to do some of this, we're going to do some of that, and mm-hmm. we'll mix them up and see what happens. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you went through classes. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get on a team out of classes or after classes like like uh, while you were enrolled or i think i was enrolled i think that the so being cast on the future i think happened those auditions happened when i was in 401 maybe or or right out of 401 i Mm -hmm. think yeah okay i mean that was the time when it was just all much smaller like i got in on the ground floor yeah into being on a house team we were the last house team that went straight to saturdays at that yeah. time yep i got uh i mean i had substantial teaching background so it's not as though i didn't earn it but i i was a teacher at the theater pretty quickly mm-hmm. and um yeah both of those things are have since gotten more competitive i'd say sure uh yeah things were things were smaller uh things are still small Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're they're big in comparison to the way that they were in 2012, 2014, um, even two years ago. Uh, so, yeah, things are uh, still... They're, yeah, they're just big in comparison. Right, right. Because um, I always think about my time uh, in Chicago uh, and uh, just going up and visiting New York. Uh, it's just, there's so much. Yeah. There's so much stuff. Um yeah, so we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the future in a bit. We'll talk about instructing oh. a little bit. All right. um, you know, we have a little bit here. Um, what, are, uh, what are we talking about right now? We're going to talk about um, pig iron. Ooh, pig iron! You do some pig iron things. Pig iron. What's a pig iron? A pig iron. Uh, pig iron is a theater company that was founded in about maybe a little over twenty years ago mm-hmm. by some Swarthmore grads. Um, and then there was a theater company that, that existed around doing a devised theater, devised experimental new works of theater. Sure. I think their first show, they had the goal to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and do an adaptation of The Odyssey. Uh, and they've got funny stories about how that went. Um, but in 2012, I mm, believe. Big year. Yeah. They opened a two-year professional... Advanced, uh, two-year professional training certificate program for experimental devised physical theater. So f- devised theater is theater where you don't, you make it up. 
I mean, you make it up over the process, and then by the time you present it, sure. it's set. But it's yeah. not traditional theater with a playwright right. who writes a play, hands it to More a director. discovery-based. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, more collaborative. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they opened up this two-year training program modeled after a school in Paris that's all about physical theater and, and mime and clown work and mask work and all these sort of formal, traditional modes of theater. Sure. And uh, so I entered that school. I entered that school in 2014. And then halfway through the first year, it got accredited. So we had the option of signing on for a lot more money and a little bit more time to get an MFA through University of the Arts. Mm-hmm. Because UArts at that time did not have a graduate program in theater. So they approached Pig Iron and said, will you be our graduate program in theater? And Pig Iron said, sure. We would like to retain uh, control over our curriculum and hiring and retain our campus, if you can call it that, at in Kensington. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that so that's Pig Iron. So it's a school and a theater company. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and you did how long there? It ended up being three years. Uh, the program that I did is now two and a half years. But those of us who signed on for the MFA had to retroactively make up the coursework that we didn't do in the first year. Right. So it was three years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and what were some of the things that you did there? Um... Some of the things that we did there, like the kind of classes we had and stuff. Yeah. So it's a small cohort that goes through. Our class was 15, and we spent basically 40 hours a week together in studio classes. So like mm-hmm. the kind of classes where you're barefoot, and you're wearing black clothes, and you run around and make weird noises. Uh, one thing, we went to the zoo, and we observed animals, and then we came back, and we... I remember spending 45 minutes as gorillas eating lettuce off the ground. Um <laughs> Where'd they get this lettuce? Uh, don't know, but we got it off the ground. And, uh, <laughs> and um, People throwing them lettuce? Yeah, the teacher threw us lettuce, <laughs> and we ate it off the ground uh, okay. as gorillas. Sure. Um, we'd have to make new work every week. So we had time set aside in our schedule, like open studio time, to create a piece. That, and we had a prompt. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a reality TV show in that way. Like, create a piece based on the prompt X using this kind of stuff we've been working with, like maybe these kinds of masks or this kind of principle of theater. And then we would show it on Friday afternoon. And if it was terrible, that we would get stopped. The teacher would yeah. stop us. and wouldn't let us finish it. <laughs> how did, how did they convey? This is terrible. I oh, you'd end. say, um, okay, I'll stop you there. <laughs> and then we'd all have to sit down and he would take a long pause. And then he would explain, why it stunk? Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really good that while I went through this program, I had fit. Um, and then I, you know, I, I came into the program. I lived in Philadelphia. I had mm-hmm. friends here. I had a world outside of school. Yeah. And I had other performances. I was still performing pretty regularly at fit, and yeah. that was so helpful because otherwise, I think some of my classmates, it's like you've got this one thing. Yeah. You work on it all week, and then you do it, and you get stopped like 30 seconds in, and yeah. it's really soul-crushing. Or not, not soul, uh, it's really disappointing. Yeah. 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 So what was it about uh, Fit that made it tolerable, that you oh. just weren't stopped? Oh, no, just having other performance, like not having all my eggs in one basket. Gotcha. So okay. I, I got to, yeah, so I would do a, t- a showing on a Friday afternoon, it would go terribly. <laughs> And we would get stopped, and everyone would be sad. And then the yeah. next night, I'd perform, you know, for sixty people with a future on a Saturday night. Yeah, and they would like it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
it's just a helpful reminder. Yeah, I guess. sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you had to make some life changes for that particular program to happen. Yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah. you were teaching. I was teaching. I was f- teaching full time. And then I decided to leave that job to go back to school to go yeah. to yeah to go to picking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that that's done, yeah, uh, are you back to teaching? I was this last year. Uh, I went back to teaching Latin, which is one of the things I used to teach. Yeah, say something uh, Latiny. Uh, salve, which What's that is mean? hello. Oh, um, hello. And that's Latiny. Uh, yeah, I taught this last year, and then I'm not teaching again this year. I left that job, and now I'm not teaching. This is the first year since I'm since I was two, I guess, that I'm not entering a school year in the fall. Okay, what is it that you're that you're doing if you're not teaching? Like for a job? Yeah. If you don't um, mind me asking. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm trying to sort of cobble that together. So I saved up a bunch of money this last year. So I have a little bit of leeway. Sure. But I'm tutoring right now. I tutor Latin mm-hmm. and ancient Greek, if anyone will have me. Any listeners out there wanting to <laughs> hey, learn some ancient Greek? What do, when you're tutoring Latin, yeah. what is the thing you correct most often? Oh. The, like, what, what's the most common mistake? Yeah. Well, uh... I guess the most common mistake overall is just messing up the language. <laughs> so this sounds so the language is highly it's not knowing Latin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the language is highly inflected. So what that means is that in English we sometimes add letters to the end of a word to signal that we're using it differently. Mm-hmm. So we add an S to a word to show that it's more than one. We add an E D to a verb to show that it happened in the past. Mm. And uh Apostrophe S to show possession, for instance. Right. And Latin has so many of those. Uh, if Steve Kleinedler is listening, he'll correct me, but <laughs> that there are other languages that have more. But it has a lot of different endings to signal a lot of different grammatical functions. Mm-hmm. And the systems of those endings is complicated, and there's many options. And so the most common thing is just not, not understanding that the endings matter. Okay. It's really hard to, for yeah. people. And especially because Latin's not taught as a language. I mean, it is more and more, and it should be. Uh, maybe that's a contentious claim for any Latin teachers out why, there. Why should it be? Because it is a language. Okay. And so if it's taught as a language, in other words, if it's used orally, and people can process it orally, then they can get an intuitive understanding of how these endings function in, in a yeah. situation in which there's context that gives meaning as opposed to the way that has been taught for a while now, which is translating arbitrary sentences that have no context. And so there's no incentive to understand. Sure. And there's no like active use of it. Yeah. But that's a whole different conversation. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you are tutoring, uh, tutoring Latin. Um, and then yeah, coaching, directing, teaching improv. Uh, and then, so you do some, Indie improv coaching? Some indie improv coaching, yeah. yeah. So if anybody is uh, looking for a indie improv yeah. coach, uh, they can reach you at what? At, like, how do they get in touch how with you? How would they get in touch with you? <laughs> do you have a, a fredbrown.com? Oh, a website? Yeah. No, I have, uh, you could Facebook message me. Okay. Do people use that? People use Facebook. That's how people get in touch with me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You could find me on Facebook and message me there okay yeah i think that's the best way sure um mm-hmm. and then uh, it's sort of workshops of some kind like corporate workshops sure uh 
Yeah, you were just at the Lincoln Financial Link Field yesterday. Through Fit, and then sometimes I'll teach work workshops through Pig Iron. Did you take a photo with the uh, Super Bowl trophy, the Lombardi I, trophy? I did. It was a very quick selfie. Yeah? Yeah. Are you an Eagles fan? No. Uh, no. No. Okay. I'm not a football fan. Okay. I mean... That's okay. You don't have to be. But it sounds... I'm just not one. I'm not like not... I'm not an anti... I don't yeah. support anti-football. You didn't anti boycott football. the workshop. I did not. <laughs> no. Because it was uh, right. at a football field. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. But no, it's a, it's a sham that I was there. Wow. Sham wow? Can't do, can't Is that what yeah, the joke you made? Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> but I'll take it. Uh, okay. So we, we talked a little bit... Uh, about teaching Latin. Yeah. Um, when you were when you were teaching, were you teaching Latin? Uh, yes. At the at the friends. At the friends at the friends yeah. school. Yeah, I taught uh, the first school I was at. I taught Latin and ancient Greek, and sometimes seventh grade English. Sometimes I taught theater there for a year. What are some of the things you uh, liked or disliked about teaching? Oh, I love teaching. I mean, I like people, and I like performing. Sure. And I like uh, presenting systems of thinking mm -hmm. to people. I mean, I realize that my interest in teaching is, is largely an interest in theatricality. Like, audience experience, how you reveal a, information to people in such a way that is compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I really, I like school communities, so I think schools are a nice community because it's intergenerational and it's different kinds of people and there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Friend schools in particular are, are sort of like nurturing places, so that was nice. Do you have the same outlook when you teach improv? The same outlook when I teach improv? Yeah. Uh, in, ter in terms of everything I just said? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, depends. I think the yeah, there's a broad age age range, but no, there's never mm -hmm. like kids in a non kids class. Yeah, but sure. Uh, what are some of the things that you like or dislike about uh, teaching improv? Um, I like. I don't know. I love teaching improv because I think it's what I always wanted to be teaching. Yeah, because it's, at its basis, it's about how you. It's like the most, it's what people are doing at the most basic level when they're in a room with people. Sure. So it's about listening and it's about how you present yourself. And it's about nonverbal and verbal communication. It's about collaboration. Yeah. And so I, I actually find it difficult to teach in settings where that's not on the table to yeah. be discussed or to be analyzed. Uh, and so, yeah, it feels much more natural to me to teach the things that are always happening. Sure. Have you had any, um, like really challenging moments as a, as an instructor? Sure. Yeah. Any that you would go into? Yeah. Uh, I think, so I think I had, uh, at fit, oh, you mean at fit or just in general? In general. Oh, in general. Sure. So this past year I taught sixth grade. I taught sixth grade mm -hmm. and they were not, I don't know what they're supposed to be like. They being... Sixth graders. Okay. So I, I sometimes... I, it, and I was teaching between sixth and twelfth grade this past year, and I was teaching five different classes. Okay. And so sometimes I just... I didn't know how to calibrate to, like, a what a sixth grade classroom should feel like 
in terms of how much should they be paying attention and how much is it unreasonable yeah. to think they should be paying attention more than they are. Yeah. But there was a time where I said to them, I said, I am, <laughs> I need everyone to be quiet and to have their eyes on me. And once I said that, I had to, I had to have it be true. And I think I ended up standing there for maybe eight minutes waiting for that to be the case. Yeah. And we'd get so close. Everyone would be quiet. Everyone but one person would be mm-hmm. looking at me and then everyone would shout that person's name and they'd say, yeah. what? Yeah. And at one point during this, a quarter rolled across the floor towards me. And I think my like clown training from pig iron kicked in, which is not good training to employ when you're trying to have authority. And I picked it up and I put it in my mouth. Mm. Gross. And that... And then I felt that I had to commit to that, but that didn't, then they, it, yeah, Yeah. that was a hard moment. Sure. As an instructor, uh, do you have any particular thoughts that you kind of, um, uh, that kind of, that filter the curriculum through it? Thoughts through which I filter the curriculum? Yeah, that's another way to say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't, so I haven't actually taught a fit class in a year and a half, I think. With good reason. Yeah, that's People right. keep leaving. People keep leaving. So, yeah, so I went on a hiatus to finish grad school. Or like a biatus. That's a, bi- a, a good biatus. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Thank you. Goodbye, atus. Um, and maybe as a coach, I have a. I, I, so, Mark Sutton came and did a. Mark Sutton from Annoyance. Yeah. Came and did a workshop with the future a while ago. 2013. Sure. Or maybe 14 at this point. No, it was 13. Yeah. And I remember him saying uh, that he coaches teams and they want to get into form. And he says, I like, you know, you can get into form when you can do a scene without boring the shit yeah. out of me. Well, and then he says, you know, I've seen technically proficient heralds that were yeah. boring as right. hell and wooden yeah. and hollow. Yeah. And montages that knock my socks off, more yeah. or less. And according, I mean, when Jet Eveleth and Holly Lawrence came, yeah. and mm-hmm. I remember Jet saying, you know, any good show ends up being a herald, but no show that sets out to be a herald ends up being good. Ha yeah. ha. But, yeah. um, so I guess something I'm thinking a lot about as a coach is I, ha- I, two, can, okay, a couple of things. Mm-hmm. One is I think it's really hard to, Give notes on scene work that's played as though it's a sketch, like a, a, a sketch of what might happen in an improv scene. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a tendency of people sometimes to play as though they're in a writing room. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't it be funny if yeah. my character was the kind of person that said blank and then they say it? Yeah. So it's not kind of committed or it's not like in the moment. Um, so I guess the thing as a coach right now is... I have trouble watching improv if the people don't love each other and they're not having fun. And it's like, well, my biggest note is you guys weren't really listening to each other. Yeah. And I'm not going to dissect this scene because it's, it doesn't get off the ground. Yeah. If you're not listening or you're not having fun, it's not even getting off the ground. So we can dissect this, but yeah. it, it's not worth it. We should just figure out how to get things off the ground. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah listening is, is huge. Yeah. is huge uh and it it's the it's it always boils down to that uh for for me as a coach as an instructor is is are you listening to what that person says and uh, really 
as I interrupt you, really listening. <laughs> yeah. I saw, so it was mind-blowing to me. I saw The Smokes at UCB in LA. Okay, all right. Like three years ago? All right. Or so. And it was just such an amazing show. Mm-hmm. And it was, they were really, really listening. Yeah. And the team before them, I think, was a, a UCB, like, team. So they were really good. Mm-hmm. But the feeling of the team before The Smokes was that they... Everyone was really good, mm-hmm. and they made each other look good because you're supposed to, yeah. and that's how you be a good improviser. But they were all trying to find their moments. Yeah, like, well, I need my moment to be funny, and I will yeah. co- I'll, I'll cooperate with you now because our survival depends on it. Right. And then to see the smokes play, like it just came to them, and they were so. It was so easy. They were so easy in it, and there was no desperation. There was no grasping. It was yeah. It was really really amazing. Yeah. Uh with coaching improv, how do you approach a team? Is it more of a collaborative thing where uh, you go to a team or a team has said, Fred, we want you to coach us. Um, whatever you want to do with us, we're looking forward to it. Uh, or is it more of a, uh, <clears throat> I will coach you, but this is how it's going to be. What's your general approach to <laughs> to things? Not the second thing, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Uh, uh, well, I, I guess that's my way of saying you take on things that you are interested in doing. Oh, that would be great. No, I haven't done that. Okay. Like like uh, putting a pitch out, like, hey, I want to coach a group of people who are interested in this kind of thing. Yeah. Who's game? Yeah. That's a great idea. And I haven't yeah. thought about that, but maybe I will. Yeah. Or just saying <clears throat> no to things that you're not interested in, I guess, is also the other. Well, I guess... So I'm sort of the way it happens now is that it seems like team, you know, smartly teams mm-hmm. are like, well, we want to have a coach. We want to get a lot of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So either we want to have different coaches at different times, or we want to sort of audition coaches. Yeah. And so I'm sort of in the process, I guess, of being like auditioned. Um, and I guess on either end, it could be thought that oh, this isn't a good fit. Yeah. Um, in those situations, it's a little bit funny because it's. I sometimes feel like I need a lot of time to be effective. It's a, a funny thing about tutoring as well, where I'm like, well, give me a year, and then I'll start making an impact. Yeah. And I, I don't... Uh, yeah. So I... Um, yeah. Yeah. So... But I, I'd say more the first thing with coaching. It's like, okay, well, what, what, are, you, what, what are you interested in? Mm-hmm. And sometimes a team do, doesn't know or thinks that they know. Right. Or really knows. Yeah. And it's sort of case by case. Yeah. And it, for me, it really is like that thing that we were just talking about with Mark Sutton. Because uh, you do get teams that are they're <clears> like, <throat> we want to do this particular format. Uh, and then mm-hmm. you get into those practices and you're like, no, you don't. Yeah. You, you don't. don't. You don't want to do this now. You want to do shows that feel as fun as that team that did that format right. seemed to be having. Yeah. And there's ways to get there. From the bottom up, yeah, but you cannot do that right. You cannot yeah. do that right now right. in your current state. Um, who is it uh, that you're working with right now, as far as fit goes? Yes. Dunk tank, yes, dunk tank. I was trying to allow you the dunk tank. very easy answer. Um, yeah, dunk yes. tank, dunk tank. They're the uh, ones. They're, yeah, and that's great. That, that that's been a fun. They've been game for my kind of... 
they've let me follow my desires and proclivities and instincts as a coach. Mm-hmm. And it also happened that for the first year, so most of their existence, they were practicing for an hour and a half before their shows. Mm-hmm. And so it became very clear that practices should not be a time to do skill building drills and exercises. Right. Or not explicitly so. Not like sure. thinky thinkies, but yeah. um, games basically. Yeah. Or exercises that get at the skills right. um, subversively or at least obliquely, to use a Nick Gillette word. Or is that his word? I don't know. He used it one time, and it really caught on. Mm. Getting at a, getting at something obliquely, like yeah. so. I'm into that idea of going into a room and not telling the improvisers, "Well, we're going to work on this. Do you right. have any questions?" But saying, "All right, like do this thing that I'm making up as a coach." Yeah. Um, you know, so trying to find like how do I get them to uh, have a quick physical reaction to other people's physical movements? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, let's just play play with that for a while. So it gets it, so it becomes unconscious immediately, so that it's not something you have to think about too much. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so would you say that kind of describes their particular style of improv? Potentially, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Uh, 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 dare I say? Fred Brown? No, dare I say at their best? That's from before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dare I, I say at their best? Yeah. Like, a sort of all-in, quick, get themselves into trouble before they know how to get out of it kind of an improv. Yeah. Which involves, you know, ridiculous scenes of all of them being physically engaged. Yeah. Um, I mean, they brought, they have so much raw material that it's easy. I think that's a style that they're prone to anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I've just sort of let, like gotten out of the way and let them play. Sure. And now we're working on maybe shaping a different kind of show or like a more specific version of that style. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With uh, Dunk Tank, uh, yes. that was one of the original teams that were formed after I became uh, acting artistic director. Um, and they were kind of pieced together. Uh, you were... In a way, in a situation I was in coming in with the future, uh, in a way, uh, coming into a team that already exists, uh, that you didn't necessarily have a hand in creating. That's right. Um, uh, How did that feel for you? Or did it feel just like it would maybe an indie team? Yeah, that's that's been my only experience. So I've never cast a team. Gotcha. So I I coached Sabotage for about a year. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and so that was similar. Mm-hmm. I guess the difference here is that Dunk Tank was new. Right. Um, so I actually like the situation of... I suppose it would be really fun to cast a team. Mm-hmm. I think the next thing is getting to coach a team that's new. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes it's hard to coach a team that's you didn't cast and has been a wh- around for a while. Because mm-hmm. there's a pre-existing dynamic that has to be reckoned with in some way. Yeah. So no, it was great. I mean, and knowing that they chose me, maybe I was you know down on their list or whatever. But that they chose me to coach them—that's affirming. Yeah. In the same way that I think it is for a player to know that the coach who's coaching them or director is directing them chose them. Right. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's chat a bit about because uh, it. I just brought it up a moment ago. Uh, your experience on the future. My experience. Great. Yeah. Yes, I can. Um, I got. I was cast on a team because I did a scene with Andrew Stanton of <laughs> LA fame. 
uh, at the callbacks. The callbacks were to to date at that time for me mm-hmm. the funniest shows I'd ever seen. I mean, wow. the callbacks were amazing. We had at the fair what it was. It was like forty people on the main stage. Is that where mm-hmm. we were? Uh, weren't yeah. we? Maybe. I think. I don't know. And all playing follow the follower, like a giant game of forty people playing follow the follower. Wow. I'm, yeah, but um, so I got cast, I think, because we were broken into groups and did heralds, and so the heralds that I watched were just so funny, and I couldn't believe it. And then at the end of the callbacks, the the people at the the shat the the shadowy figures at the desk called up, you know, like eight people, mm-hmm. and I was one of them. And then they called people out to do scenes. You and you and you and you. Sure. And the last scene of the day was you, me and Andrew Stanton. And I think we did a bad improv scene. <laughs> In retrospect, I think we were fighting about what whether we had dug a hole or not. But maybe we just managed to have enough charm, or I at least managed to get a rise out of Andrew enough that yeah. it seemed that we had chemistry. So we got cast sure. together. Yeah. Um, our first show, I... As opposed to other members of the future, I, I was one of the more inexperienced members of the future. There were mm-hmm. maybe four of us who were kind of equally inexperienced, and then there were a bunch of people who were quite experienced. Yeah. And I was foolish enough or brazen enough to not recognize that. Not recognize that other members of the future who were not experienced, I think, had like maybe a year where they didn't do many scenes, mm. and I had a year where I would just we did a deconstruction at the time, and there would be yeah. the base scene. And I would just, if no one else was stepping out, I would step out and be in, the, in, the, in that base scene. Yeah. Uh, so the first show, I, I remember I was. Yeah. And then... And at the time yeah. uh, of casting for a bit, uh, you were directed by Ralph. That's right. Yeah. Ralph Andrachio. Yeah. He coached us, directed us through the deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were a big group at that time, too. Yeah. Maybe, was it nine people? On a tiny stage at the Shubin. Yeah. Then we did a while with the mono scene. Mm-hmm. Um, then we did a while with the Herald. And then I think once we got to the living room, I felt like actually things started to click for me. Yeah. And in the last couple of years, it was a really nice experience. It was just improvising with people where I really felt like all the things you say are supposed to be true in improv were. Yeah. Which is that you can't do wrong, that, you know, you, we had each other's backs. Yeah. It really was great. Yeah. And um, so I think it's easy for me to think I got better at improv, and and I just don't know. <laughs> like, I think yeah. in some ways it's just that I got lucky to be improvising with the same people enough that it, that we were able to do better improv. Yeah. 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 It seemed to me. Yeah. Uh, I came in in uh October of 2013, right, like right as Asteroid was ending, like there was an overlap between the two, between the two teams, um, oh, and yeah, uh, and then it was in um, May. Uh, there was like people, a couple people had left the team in March mm-hmm. of of that year, and then in May Andrew Stanton, the aforementioned Andrew Stanton, uh, had moved to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and right before he left, uh, and right after some of these other changes, so let's just say April sometime, um, I was like, I remember like emailing people and talking to people and just saying like, this is, this is what we're going to do. 
this is going to be good for the team, all of these different things. And I changed up our practice schedule uh, to like, we will not have a uh, practice the week we don't have a show because that was the the mm-hmm. kind of schedule at the time. Uh, we are going to be doing the living room format because this yep. is a format that I believe that this particular team is going to excel in. Um, uh, we are going to be practicing this particular style of improv. We are going to be doing this, that, and the other thing. Um, and uh, and and you arranged for some clinics. Yeah, like you brought in other coaches to kind of work certain skills yeah. that you felt that we needed. And yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like. So, yeah, I kind of, I, that was a time where I feel like the future really started taking hold. The, the future as we know it. There was uh, the addition of Rob O'Neill uh, to that team. Because uh, Weigel came when you did. Weigel right? came, yeah. Uh, Weigel and I were a, um, a, um, a, a package, package deal, deal yeah, yeah, so to go. speak. Um, and, uh, yeah, if I was going to join a, a new team, I was looking for something extremely positive, uh, something that I was comfortable with, a constant, uh, if you will. Uh, and I had coached uh, Caitlin for uh, three and a half years at that point. Baby Caitlin. Baby Caitlin. Yeah, young yeah. baby Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, baby Caitlin Corkery, as she is now. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I talked to her, talked to her about it and... Uh, there she went uh, to the to the future. Yeah, um, and I honestly like looking back on things. I can't imagine that team being any other way than the way that it uh, than those six people that uh, it was at the end. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Like even though the uh, Caitlin was added to that team, people left, uh, and Rob was added. It's weird to think that there would be any anybody else. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, what are some fun? What are some of your more fun memories of of that team? Um, I guess I, I said this recently, reminiscing before our last show. But sure. Molly Scullion showing up to practices <laughs> at that church at Eighth and Fitzwater, is it? Yeah, where we used to practice um, in her high school softball <laughs> uniform. Um, I remember a particularly fun mono scene we did at... Uh, uh, just for people, like, that's how young Molly... That's how young she was. That's how young she, she was. Yeah, she was 17. Coming in from high school. Yeah. In her softball Sorry. uniform. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember a particularly fun mono scene we did at he- Now Headlong. Used to yeah, be the at Sideshow. Yeah, for Sideshow. Mm-hmm. I would always make John Jensen, who used to be a member of the future, mm-hmm. pick me up or carry me. <laughs> Funny memory was I think we had a, a few shows in a row that ended in slow fade outs to music that we were singing, uh, and then the festivals. So there, I've missed a lot of festivals that the not a lot. I mean, the team's gone to a bunch of festivals and I haven't made them, but yeah. the ones I have, most notably Edmonton, Canada, and Toronto, mm-hmm. were just really really fun. And um, I think if a team can go to a festival. Uh, you know, I think if you can travel with people, then mm-hmm. that's a real... It's both a test of a relationship, but it's yeah, also a way sure. to build a relationship and strengthen it. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very grateful for those festivals. Yeah. Yeah. What What about some of the more challenging things about being on a team for five years? Well... Over, over five years. Uh, you mean... I don't think... I mean, I think once the... 
once we found the team that it was, right. finally, sure. the, no challenge. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, we it was challenging to practice. <laughs> you know, I mean, at a certain point, we... Um, well, we at a certain point we stopped thinking that we were going to add people to the team. Mm-hmm. We stopped thinking that we were going to start practicing again regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's okay. I think we were recognizing just kind of the stage the team was in, which was we like performing together, and we that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think maybe there's certain like inflection points in the history of a team where you have an option to sort of recommit right. to like we we become young again we we renew ourselves and put ourselves through the uh ringer of like an intensive skill building time again and we, mm-hmm. we didn't do that yeah so maybe that's a challenge but I, it didn't feel challenging it was really fun yeah and i wouldn't even say that that period was very long it, no it, it wasn't at all it, I yeah think. i mean especially like we we just came up on uh over five years uh and that was a relatively short period uh, in terms of like, we're not going to practice every single week. Uh, well, and once we, I mean, when we moved to Mondays and it was, we just experiment with different kinds of shows, right. like that actually kept things fresh yeah. and we weren't practicing, but we were planning ahead what our show right. ideas were. Sure. And so that, I, I, we never like, uh, I don't think we ever gave up. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, the, uh, so the future started on. Saturday nights. It was cast mm-hmm. to Saturday nights. This is just some background before I say what I was going to say. Uh, the feature started on Saturday nights, and then it moved to Tuesdays mm-hmm. uh, with Big Baby, paired with Big Baby. Uh, and then Big Baby was uh, Big Baby had their end show, uh, and Future was moved to Monday nights with the full block, though. That's right. Uh, and that's the the where things went for five years. Uh, and I would say having seen, uh, I don't know the math on it, but it's definitely a majority of those shows, uh, not just on Mondays or Tuesdays or Saturdays, uh, but overall, definitely a majority of those shows. I think Molly crunched the numbers and she figured it out to be about 240 shows that the future has done. Yeah. Yeah. Then I've definitely seen a majority of, of, of that number. Yeah. That's both a big number, but it actually... It doesn't. Not right? that big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's also uh, 240. Like, if you're thinking of... Every week for five years, uh, that's about it. That is... That's like sitcom numbers, I think, isn't it? Um, I think it's over sitcom numbers. When you say sitcom numbers, what well, does that I mean? I think that, like, five years is roughly 100 episodes of a sitcom. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So you are... You're in Cheers territory. Wow. Yeah. Uh, with a lot less work, we just with a lot to, less work. we didn't have to write anything. and a lot less money. Yeah, that's right. uh, yeah. Sorry, Ted Danson, uh, but you uh, you made a lot of money in large amounts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I was going to get at was uh, the shows on Saturday, the shows on Tuesday. I think um, some of the shows on Monday nights have been some of my particularly favorite shows. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was the team doing whatever the hell they wanted to do. Uh, or weird things, not even that weird, like, but cooking while, Mm -hmm. uh, things are going on, doing the cafeteria style, uh, you playing instruments, Mm -hmm. uh, throughout, um, uh, doing the, this is very serious Mm -hmm. stuff, uh, which was super fun. Um, 
uh, like some of those shows have been my favorites. Like whenever David can get back, uh, of course, David, those were my favorite of those Monday shows. Um, but yeah, it's like some of the, just some of my favorite moments have been those those Mondays. So I'll particularly miss uh, yeah seeing that each week for well, sure. Well, it was nice. I think by that point we it would be sort of somebody's week to say what they wanted to do. Yeah, and we would do that, mm-hmm. and so it it became you know that that's a nice model. I think like yeah. the team supports. I mean, it's not as though it was a, it's all about that person, but in the instance of playing instruments, that's something I wanted to do. Right. And the group was like, yeah. And then I think they actually liked it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it was sort of a different person's vision each time, which was fun. Yeah. Do you have, whether it's your own or not, uh, a favorite Future Presents idea that was put into practice? I think the cooking shows were successful. Yeah. Like, I think those were fun. And I think because it's nice to share food with an audience. Sure. Um... Because there's, I, I think sometimes with improv, we, we forget the power of actually doing something. So um, I think when somebody's actually cooking, it's sort of satis- it's gratifying to watch. And yeah. it adds a level of, I don't know, it just adds a funny counterpoint to make them ups. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those were fun shows. Okay. I, I thought This Is Very Serious was very fun. It was. And that was not any, that was a show that we had sort of developed a while ago in the anticipation mm-hmm. of doing a short run, and we never did it. Yeah. But that was really fun. And it, yeah. I, I felt that actually I got to improvise as myself. And that, that, that framework of pretending to be a very serious actor <laughs> improvising is kind of like how I want to be improvising all the time yeah, anyway. Sure. So it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I talk about the future all the time in classes. Okay. Uh, and one of the main things that I bring up... Uh, listening and eye contact? Listening and eye contact. <laughs> like, if you want to watch listening and eye contact in action, you're going to watch the future. Yeah. Uh, no, the um, just... The, the main reason I bring up the future uh, is around the time I'm talking about group scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, getting involved in the scene, seeing something that's fun, and finding a way to get involved in the scene that doesn't change what's going on, that doesn't make you the star of that scene, but makes you a spoke uh, to yep. the the wheel that is that scene. Um, uh, and that's something that I remember as a uh, coach we, we, we talked a, a lot about through uh through the the years of, of being on that team is uh you know kind of keep the fire burning find a way to get involved uh sorts of things um but i want to want to know if you have anything any any particular thoughts on uh why the future uh like what you found fun about group games uh group scenes uh what you think makes them work um how you would approach them if you were teaching them oh geez well somebody told me uh recently that um, they pointed out that I I find ways to get involved personally as an improviser, I, I, and particularly in the future, I find ways to get involved in scenes without talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my approach to group scenes, maybe this isn't what you're asking, because it's not about teaching them, but I, I have been thinking since, it, it seems like a kind of hack to be able to, in my mind, if you can just get involved in a scene and not talk, then that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, then if you can just ha- find a way for yourself to have fun, yeah, 
without talking and having to have everyone listen to you, right? Then you're sort of like that's a, a great thing to do. Sure. Um, I think sometimes people think that they get frustrated in a big improv group because they don't get to get out enough or yeah. they don't get their moments. But if you can just be in the background doing something that you care about, mm-hmm. then you just have your moment whether any, anyone's watching or not. Sure. Um, what I think the group scenes were, if the group scenes were successful in the future, I think it's because the balance of energies was really great among us as players. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that made us have longevity as a team in terms of getting along behind the scenes is probably the same thing that would make us successful in a group scene. Even though we're playing characters, there's kind of a balance of, I don't know, a balance. Yeah. Or, or uh, ways in which we complement each other. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching group scenes, I don't know. That's that's a hard thing to do. I think you were yeah. good at that. Yeah. Because you had the same philosophy with Asteroid. I remember watching Asteroid's final shows, and I think your whole thing with them was get involved in a scene. And I remember yeah. a lot of scenes where they're acting out a they were pick, picking people up moving them around and stuff you know it was everyone all hands on deck yeah. for the one image yeah or the one thing that's happening rather than now we have seven points of view yeah and it's just very cumbersome mm-hmm. uh all right so uh feature just had its final show right uh of the regular run i sprained my foot Mm. In the show, kicking myself. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Uh, how's that doing? Hurts. Yeah. I've been taking Still, ibuprofen. Yeah. yeah. Icing it. Limping around a little bit. Oh, wow. That was me uh, doing something that I don't think converted to any value. Comedic value. Watching. Yeah. No, I don't think anyone saw it. Yeah. It wasn't worth it. Sure. But I committed to it. <laughs> I mean, there's also ways to perform. Did you also eat a quarter off the ground? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Could you also what? I was just gonna say I could have pretended to kick myself. But. Yeah. Okay. I uh, had the uh, had that last show of the regular run, and I'll keep saying that because sure. I fully expect more shows. All right. Uh, how did that last show, the regular run, feel? How did it feel? Yeah. Well, it was, it was great. It was well, ex- the 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 gist of that particular show was we are all in yeah, every all scene. in. We were all in every scene. I think we were. Yeah. How did it feel? But that also felt like a form that we would have done anyway. So it was pretty lazy that's, for us yeah, just to name I, it. That's what I said when we were chatting before. Yeah. And I was like, it seems fitting that this is what's, what everybody's doing. We were just giving ourselves permission to do the right. thing we were going to do anyway. Yeah. Um, how did it feel? It felt great. I mean, it was a very big audience. And so yeah. it's really fun to perform for, what was that, like 120 people. It was about 120 people, yeah. I think it was a challenge. It was a similar challenge as our fifth year anniversary show, which is about 105 people or something. Something like that, yeah. Uh, where... The energy's but so who's counting. That's right. The energy's so high at the beginning. How do you? Where do you go from there? Yeah. And we had a drum line on Saturday <laughs> at our final regular show. Yeah, I was so, very nervous about that. Uh, I, I knew about it for a couple weeks ahead of time. You did. Um, but I, w- I was still a little, a little nervous because it was. We're, we're talking midnight. Yeah. Um, and loud like, drums. I. Quite loud drums. Hit, uh, uh, hitting them, hitting them hard. Yeah, hard and Rat fast. Rat a tat. Hard and fast. Uh, Rat a tat tat. Uh, and I think I started calming down when I knew it wasn't going to be the bar that was furthest away. Yes. Uh, when it was the one that was more in a uh, industrial, or not mm. industrial, but a more like uh, under construction kind of area, uh, then I was much more like uh, a little bit more at ease. Yes. Um, 
Uh, and then it was just funny because they showed up slightly late. Well, yeah. What we anticipated was applause would happen at the end of the show. And mm-hmm. at that moment, the drumline would come into the theater. Yeah. Do a quick lap yeah. of the stage. Yeah. And then lead everyone out. Right. And what ended up happening is we sort of stood there awkwardly such that we didn't totally, as a group, like, take that moment of applause. Yeah. And then we just filed. We just went out to the lobby to see what was going on. They yeah. were there. They started playing. People were coming out of the yeah. theater. And then they went Shut into the theater, in. so people backed up. And then they took they took their moment. I mean, yeah, there, there was a really crowd did. of about 100 and some people. Yeah. And so they had a little bit of a show, and Elmo was there, and they had some configurations. <laughs> there, yeah. Um, and then after maybe six and a half minutes, yeah. which felt pretty long to me, mm-hmm. because there was that energy of uh, what's happening. Then we went down to O'Shea's. Yeah. They performed for another 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, it seemed It was great. Like it. People loved it. Yeah. And they loved it. They were awesome. Yeah. It was a pretty awesome way to uh, to end that regular that's right. run, and that's how you team. that's how you end the show. Yeah, if it starts out really high energy, that's where you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's line. the only way is uh, a drum yeah, line. Yeah, exactly. Or fireworks. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah. Uh, okay, uh, just real quick, I guess. Looking back on the future, anything in particular you're going to miss uh, performing weekly? Any particular Perf- thing that would almost always happen, uh, or think something that you always look forward to uh, performing weekly? All of it. Okay. You know, the um, stepping out into a scene with any of those people on that team. Sure. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna miss that a lot. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Kristen Shear. Yeah. She's gone. Gone. Yeah. Well, she's gone. She's she she, back. She's not gone. 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 Oh, I forgot her keys. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> uh, she will uh, she will be back just like David will David will be back and then yeah. we'll have a future show at at some point hopefully uh, in the early parts of 2019 that is completely throwing that out there uh, if those two want to make that happen make it so um, but yeah she'll be she'll be back uh, and when she does her and I will do a second getting close Ooh. podcast. She was on one from I want to say two thousand, maybe two thousand twelve. Well, big, big year, year. big year. year. Uh, so there has been a lot that has changed with uh, with Kristen and her life over the years. Yeah. Uh, so that would be great to kind of sit down with her and just kind of go over everything and talk about her experiences on uh, the future and other things. Uh, and then we'll also do a the future. <laughs> future podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, let's turn our attention and then start to wrap up with. Uh, uh, practical demonstration ellipsis. <clears throat> yeah. What's that title? One more time. A practical demonstration of the effects of kinesthetic ocular neuropsychology. Cool. And its potential as an aid in the discovery of self. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's the show about? Um, ab- uh, not nothing, I guess. Like, what is the show? What is it? What is the show? What is the show? I play. A... This was picked for Fringe. Yes, this was picked for Fringe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you say that. You say that now. You say that. Right. Yeah. You said it. it is. It is in the Fringe. It is in the Fringe. Oh yes, it's in the Fringe. Yeah, uh, the Improv Theater picked it up for Fringe. Mm-hmm. I, I had submitted an application mm-hmm. in which I guess I said what the show was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. It's a one man show that I've created. I yeah. play a, a scientist, maybe German. Although I'm not sure, uh, maybe Austrian, maybe just sort of like 
there's, I have an I have some sort of accent. Okay. And I conduct experiments with the audience, very low impact experience experiments about eye movements and how different eye movements can activate different parts of the brain to create different experiences or mm-hmm. unlock different um, impressions, sensations, or feelings, images, or associations. Sure. I didn't already say that. And I have, but it's really a synth rock opera. So I, I, it's actually a synth rock opera. Yeah, that's what it actually is. Great. Yeah. Because I play music to keep time for the experiments, but the audience yeah. is not supposed to keep uh, pay attention to the music. Okay. But then I play songs, and that synth rock opera is sort of like a, it follows a, a narrative arc, sort of like a, a conceptual synth rock collection of songs. Sure. That follows its own narrative arc. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and how did this show come to be? So my uh, my now fiance and I uh, live in a like a pretty big space up in Fishtown, um, and she has hosted a series of dinner cabarets where she makes dinner for like twenty one people, and then some other people come just to watch. And there's a collection of acts, like cabaret acts, musical acts. And I've gotten to perform at every single one, which is nice because I live there and I know the cook. Yeah. And um, so this character, I, I sort of came up with this character for one of those mm-hmm. cabarets and I had fun doing it. So I pitched it as a show mm-hmm. because I, I don't enjoy anything more than playing silly or incredibly good synth mm-hmm. songs. Does this show or this character draw on any of your... Uh, improv or pig iron training or all of it or none of it? I would say all of it. I mean, not, yeah, pig iron a little bit. I mean, pig iron is so physical. Right. And this character does talk a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that all the character training and sure, character, yes. Improv, yes, because I don't know what I'm going to say necessarily. Yeah. So I think the show will be loosely. Like the songs are, are 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 created, and the show is sort of the the beats are set out. I think I'm mm-hmm. kind of working on that. Um, but in terms of what I say, mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure. Uh, we're recording this on what is it uh, Thursday, Thursday uh, and you premiere a Wednesday. little under a week. Yeah, a uh, little so, under a week from from today. That's right. Uh, so that Wednesday, next Wednesday, which is what date? The 19th? 19th? Wednesday the 19th. Wednesday yes. the 19th. At 7 p.m. At 7 p.m. Uh, how are things feeling? Good. Great. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I think solo shows are really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but on the whole, I'm just really excited to perform it mm-hmm. because I've been working mostly alone. Yeah. Which is not always advisable. Usually you have somebody to help you. Yeah. Um, but I've been scheduling rehearsals, and some of those rehearsals have just been there sort of making myself laugh and then oh. saying, oh, I can't wait to show somebody this. <laughs> yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm excited to perform. I performed it for like 20 of my cousins in July at a family vacation, and that was fun. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Uh, and you were listed as one of the... Faces of Fringe. Yeah, I have got one. I've got a face. Yeah, you've got a I'm face. I'm in the Fringe. And you're in the Fringe. Yeah. Uh, and you are of. That's right. The. 
Um, what was the uh, what was the gist of of that? Like, why did they do that? So, or uh, like, what, what did was I say? The, what, yeah, what was the what was the the angle there? It was uh, just kind I mean, of so Philly Mag was just trying to highlight some of the more independently produced work, and I guess my work kind of falls in that category. I mean, it's produced by Fit, so I'm not yeah. really like. What do you call that? I'm not um, shaking the shaking the gutters. What do you what do you uh, um, um, shake like, and bake? <laughs> and I helped. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's shake and bake because fit helps. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, it's not fully like I'm not ah oh, god not self produced. Shaking the windows. There's some sort of saying about shaking like, the shutters. I don't know um, sh- uh, salt shakers. Like I'm not um, shaking pounding the, the pavement. Is yeah. that what I'm thinking of? Hitting the bricks. Yeah, hitting the bricks, pounding the pavement, flipping flipping the mattress. Right. So some of the other artists that were featured are like really hitting the shutters with a brick because <laughs> they. You know, a couple of them just, maybe three of them. So Chris Davis, Sarah Natel, Lee Minora all went to Edinburgh Fringe, which is mm-hmm. the biggest fringe festival in the world. Yeah. Happens in August, every August in yep, Edinburgh, yep. Scotland. And they, you know, you got to go and you do your show 30 sometimes and you're flyering for your show five minutes before it happens and you've got, you're all by yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really, that's, that's, that's shaking a, a brick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, the idea was for Philly, you know, there's a curated fringe. Yeah. Um, and Philly Mag was just trying to say, like, hey, everybody, there's other work being presented that might actually be falling into the category of what the Fringe is actually about, mm-hmm. which is theater that's produced outside of, like, the big moneyed interests of the institutions. Right. Um, and so, yeah, but I, I was on there, and they, they were just saying, you know, where do you live, and what are you excited to see, and what do you like about Philadelphia? Yeah. What's the name of your show? It's always fun to have my show in the full title in print because it, <laughs> I mean, it catches yeah. the eye. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, what are you excited to see that isn't your show? Um, I have seen, so I saw The Accountant, which is like a show that happened at Na- uh, Christchurch Neighborhood House. Mm-hmm. Trey Lightford, who was a teacher of mine and like a, our advisor for our MFA thesis at Pig Iron. Sure. I was excited to see it and I saw it and I was excited that I saw it. Um, I saw the Almanac show. I'm going on Saturday. Yeah. So that was exciting. That To to my point about the cooking shows for the future, mm-hmm. I think all, watching Almanac is great because there's some pretend, you know, that there's some imaginative world that you're entering, but they're yeah. really lifting each other. You know, there's, they're really doing very difficult things, and that's so yeah. fun to watch when someone's yeah. actually doing the thing. Yeah. And you know, I am... Hard. I am nervous. Watching, like, them. I get nervous watching that stuff. Yeah, um, but they are very good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I and sometimes to they hurt of, themselves. Sometimes I mean, they there's hurt that themselves. too. You hurt yourself doing a freaking. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Show. I'm not as. Tr- I'm not trained um, in the circus arts. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I get nervous watching those sorts of things. Um, but I am a. Uh, I'm a fan of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of Nick's Nick Gillette's. Um, so I, I want to get there and, uh, check that out for sure. And the music's amazing. Uh, a a friend and pig iron classmate of mine, Martha Stuckey does the music. That's really, really great. Great. She's also red 40. If you know about them, red 40 in the last groovement, uh, clown funk band. Okay. Um, I saw Sarah Nattel's show, Nightmare Fuel. I would very much like to see that. Which was great. I last seen it a year ago and it's changed a bunch since. Mm Mm-hmm. And then also happening at Panorama, that same space in West Philly, I saw my fiance Gina's, the show that she's in, which mm-hmm. is called Pestilence Wow, which is a 
medieval clown bubonic plague play. Sounds great. And that was pretty outrageous. Yeah. I would love to see like Chris Davis's work there. And then also there's another play Don Oblongato wrote that's also happening at Panorama. I want to see the Tribe of Fools show. Uh, Fly Eagles Fly. Yeah. I, I did see that. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, that's uh, from the aforementioned uh, Caitlin Corkery. That's right. Uh, oh, yeah, I've been calling uh, her Weigel. Yeah. Well, I, I guess mean, that's... because we've been doing that for five years. No, that's right, but maybe... Um, me for eight or nine years. Package deal, point. yeah. Yeah, package deal. Uh, so, Caitlin Corkery uh, has a hand in the creation of that show. Uh, it's our second show with uh, Tribe of Fools. Last year's Fishtown being... Barrymore uh, nominated. Barrymore nominated for best... Fishtown. Multi-Barrymore multi- nominated. But Caitlin Corkery nominated for uh, best... Play writing plus best original script something whatever. something along those it's lines. It's great. Uh, the the show has uh, multiple Barrymore noms. I don't remember exactly what they are. Uh, ensemble, but maybe? Caitlin. Uh, oh, ensemble, I think for sure. But definitely the writing. Definitely like Caitlin yeah. her, herself. It's a great show. Yeah. Um, as is Fly Eagles Fly. Uh, so if you get the chance to get out and see that, uh, get out and see it. I feel like I should see it because I got to take a selfie with the. Lombardi trophy today. Yeah. And at that um, workshop. Yeah, at the workshop. And now you owe it to the Eagles. To see a play. To see a play. With their name in it. That kind of questions fandom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh anything else fringy that you're uh, looking to check out? Yeah, I, I I forget. I mean I think there's a it's always hard to see Yeah, sure. And I guess because my show's going up next week, there's a bunch of stuff that We're recording at my house. I have the guide over there if you <laughs> want to flip through it. I mean I want to see the American Express show. <laughs> yeah. You know Real speak, America. Yeah, speaking of what you were saying of Open like, last night. Yeah, trying to do this thing of I mean that's a great example of a show that it's not a regular fit show, right. but that is elevating a show that's hap- a, a group that's performed at fit. Yeah, to a broader audience, right? Um, and giving them a chance to like s- script something, right? Yes, and it's a sketch show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm. Do you have anything coming up that you'd like to plug? I mean, just the other than show. the thing that we spent some time some talking, time talking about. about. I don't know. Beyond that, it's uh, it's all gray. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It hasn't come into focus yet. Sure. Uh, I'm not sure what the future ha 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 holds. <laughs> uh, you have some. You are available for improv coaching. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the future will do a show at some point. Yeah, check in out the Dunk opposite Tank. of past. Check out Dunk Tank when be they're a- back up. Accompanying them musically, maybe on theremin, <laughs> oh. which I've never played before, and I think it's hard, <laughs> but maybe on theremin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to be getting up to some stuff. I'll, I'll be okay, Mike. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll all be all right. right. I got things going on. Yeah. I got a lot of irons and fires. I watched a YouTube video earlier tonight that was a compilation of, of people falling off cliffs. Part one mm. and the second video, part two. Wow. So that's kind of something I was getting up to. Yeah. So um, that check should be coming in soon. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All right, Fred. <laughs> Friend Brown. Uh, I don't have anything... Uh, Great. Uh, I'm at the end of uh, anything I wanted to. Yeah, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't take it anymore. Get me out. Uh, Yeah, I think that uh, I've talked about anything that I really can possibly ask you about at this point. Uh, That wasn't a sentence, but I think we understand. Yeah. I think that'll do for now. Nice to talk to you, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for chatting, Fred. Bye. Bye.